you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I am Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to successfully delivering your retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in, and this is episode 129, number 129. Ten years ago, back in 2011, the term Industry 4.0 was first identified with an origin of actually boosting up German manufacturing. But in the 10 years since, it's gained wide popularity across the world as it helps to explain the evolution of technology. Essentially, the fourth industrial revolution, or Industry 4.0, heralds the integration of digital and physical elements. And as the retail market continues to evolve and transform, I thought it would be good to revisit some of the key elements of Industry 4.0 and explore how these technologies and mindsets are shaping the retail market. And the aim of today's episode is to encourage you to reconsider how these different technologies and different aspects fit together and what the possibilities are and will be for the retail market. So Industry 4.0, what is it exactly? Well, I'm going to pause just there because I think it's probably easier to rewind and look at the first, second and third stages of the Industrial Revolution. And then we'll begin to understand what that fourth stage looks like. So let's rewind to 1784, when the first Industrial Revolution began. And it was kick-started, really, by the first mechanical loom for, for weaving materials. And then what we saw was an increase in the introduction of mechanical production facilities and factories, ultimately, using power, most notably wind power and steam power. Then we're going to move on another 86 years. It's now 1870, and we're seeing the first assembly lines and the second industrial revolution. Here we're seeing more strategy being employed with regards to labour, with regards to mass production and ultimately using electricity to drive the machines and to drive more efficiency and effectiveness. So from 1870, we fast forward another 99 years to 1969, and we've got the first programmable logic controller, which kickstarts the third industrial revolution, which is about using electronic and IT systems that further automate production. That then brings us forward to 2011, where we have the so-called beginning of the fourth industrial revolution, which is connecting the digital and the physical. So you've got these sort of cyber physical systems being created. And actually, you could argue that the fourth industrial revolution is an evolution of the third industrial revolution, where we're starting to use electronics and IT and automation more. And you could say we're just at the second stage of that. And I think we could play it both ways, but one way or another, we're going to say it's Industry 4.0 today, or maybe just Industry 4, because I don't know what the point O is doing, (laughs) other than to signify it's about digital, right? And whilst the origins were in manufacturing and production, 
The same principles apply through to other aspects of the world, such as retail. And it's probably worth pointing out that retail is obviously a vast industry. And by the time you look at the full end-to-end supply chain and you go all the way back to source, of course, manufacturing and production has a huge piece to play. But we're going to be staying away from that end and more at the front end of retail in terms of distribution and stores and connecting to the customer today. And so the fourth industrial revolution is around integrating physical and digital. Now, I'm sure we've heard that sort of concept before, right? It screams omnichannel. I'm sure you're with me. And actually how you combine the physical and digital channels, a bit like we were exploring a few episodes ago in episode 126. And ultimately, the goal of each industrial revolution has been to enhance capacity improve efficiency and effectiveness, and ultimately deliver value for customers. And so that remains the focus for this fourth industrial revolution. And of course, the technology is evolving and developing over time. So we're very much thinking about efficiency and effectiveness and optimizing and opportunities, right? And there are a number of great reports and articles on the web, obviously, diving into Industry 4.0. And I've distilled this into a few core pieces that I think are particularly pertinent to the retail industry, which I wanted to guide you through today. So we're going to be talking about cloud computing. We're going to be talking about the shift to mobile. We're going to be talking about AI and cognitive computing, micro manufacturing, sustainability, and ultimately the Internet of Things. So let's jump straight on in. I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on this, by the way. You can reach me by email oliver.banks at obandco.uk or find it on the show notes page today, which is obandco.uk slash 129. That's obandco.uk slash 129. So we're going to start with cloud computing, which really is a technology enabler here. Many of the big developments we've seen over the past 10 years have been set up and enabled by cloud computing. And where previous industrial revolutions were focused on mechanization, I think the shift now has been onto digitalization. And whereas power and electricity were some of the drivers of certainly the first two industrial revolutions, I think cloud computing and data is that same energy source, should we say, for what we have got going on right now. Ultimately, cloud computing has just made advanced computing available for all. And that has allowed more creativity to come out. It has allowed more competition to come out. It's driven faster innovation. And ultimately, where we're up to now, which I think is an incredibly exciting place, by the way, is the fact that innovation is limited by our own imagination, not by technology. You know, we can think of the art of the possible, and it is our own minds that is limiting that now, basically. And that's a pretty awesome place to get to, I hope you will imagine. And certainly, I think it inspires the inventors, the entrepreneurs to get up and get things going. And that's certainly driven a lot of the SaaS opportunities, in my opinion. And that's very energizing for the wider industry because it drives further improvement. The next stage is around mobile. Now, of course, mobile devices are increasingly a large part of our lives, right, in the modern day world. And when we tend to talk mobile, we're talking about smartphones, right? But I'd like to zoom out a little bit because it's not so much the mobile 
phone itself, it's about being mobile. So it's not necessarily just the screen size, because maybe being mobile means having no screen at all. If you're thinking about, you know, whether it's smart devices, smart homes, digital assistants, and all of that sort of thing, I think they all fit into this mobile culture that is being driven as part of the fourth industrial revolution. So my view is that mobile is about being portable and flexible. And it's quite interesting because nowadays we're in a place where consumer technology has developed so fast relative to business technology that actually the two are now using the same things. You look at store assistants using smart devices and it's the very same as what is in the consumer's pocket. Or maybe even not actually it's quite as good sometimes, right? But that in itself is driving more evolution, more change, more transformation. And I think the pandemic, of course, has only increased that mobility, certainly opening people's eyes up to see what is possible with work from home or actually just what can be achieved by a remotely distributed workforce. 5G, of course, is enabling further mobile living and it's going to enable more and more devices and units to be connected. And that's something we'll get onto when we're talking about the Internet of Things, IoT. The other interesting thing when we're talking about mobile is about the cross-channel effect. Increasingly, we are using more than one device. And both as consumers and as professionals, we want to be able to change devices at a moment's notice. And we want to be able to transport and port everything over so that we can continue to live in a seamless way, right? So I think if we start to think about what's next for mobile, you have to start looking at augmented reality, right? And how you'll be able to port from a physical world into a digital world. And that's, again, screaming the metaverse. If you listen to the last episode, episode 128 with Kathy Hackle, where we dived into this in a lot more detail, is really screaming the metaverse to me anyway. It's the natural extension of mobile and we'll start to see plenty of executions, both from a retail perspective for consumers, as well as a business perspective for your colleagues, for yourself, for your team. And I've been reflecting on that conversation with Kathy Hackle in the last episode, and I can't help but feel that we're all going to be caught off guard as the metaverse increases, particularly for a business perspective. So I think that's going to be a topic we'll continue to come back to. I'd love to explore it and dive much deeper than we are going to do today. And again, if you do have thoughts, I would love to hear from you. Find my email at obandco.uk slash 129. It'd be great to hear your thoughts on how that will develop. Next, we're going to look at cognitive computing or AI. And here, this is really being driven by big data and analytics. The more data we create, the more data we can process and the more intelligent things we can do with it. And for me, the way I'm thinking about AI, or cognitive computing, is around connecting the dots to then do one of four things. Is it around analysing, essentially understanding the trends, uncovering the insight, and using that to shape future strategy or tactics or decisions? So analysing. Is it about directing? Here, we're talking about using this AI, this artificial intelligence, to be able to decide on the next best action for a specific scenario. And that could be 
in a number of different instances. It could be consumer facing, where we're deciding what's going to be the next best, perhaps marketing action to serve up to a customer. Or how do you best progress a customer through a customer service funnel? But it could also be in the internal operating model. So actually, from a buyer's perspective, how is it going to direct the next best action based on the analysis, right? That it's done. All of these things are linked together, of course. So we've got analyzing, we've got directing. The third item is around predicting. And here we're using simulation and modeling to forecast the future. And that's initially in more of a a dumb intelligence way, I guess. But we'll continue to see that evolving into true AI as it starts to dive into the data, as it starts to explore and work out the patterns and the trends by itself, and then predict and serve up new insight. And then the fourth way that I think AI is going to be used is to adjust. This is the classic learning piece of AI, right? Work out what's happened, work out what could have been better, and then learn to continually optimize, continually improve, and ultimately find the better way of doing things. Now, we could, of course, dive so deep into AI, and I'm sure we'll continue to do that in future episodes. There are certainly a few different angles I'd love to explore with you. And again, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The next key piece of the fourth industrial revolution is around micro manufacturing. Now, this is a really interesting one, because actually, if you look at the industrial revolutions as a chain, we've been talking about increasing production creating factories, creating this, well, literal mass production, right, as a strategy to drive efficiency. And I think what's happening now is we're seeing the cyclical side of that, and it's actually reverting back to batch and even one-off manufacturing pieces, but done at scale. And this is exciting because we're talking about local manufacturing, we're talking about small manufacturing, personalized or customized products tailored to you as a customer but done with with the skill and the consistency and the detail that you'd normally expect from a specialized manufacturing line, right? So whether this is around 3D printing, where we're going to be creating products on demand, even in our own homes, right? Or whether it's going to be different types of manufacture, I think it's going to be particularly interesting. The whole 3D printing movement as a, an additive manufacturing technique, shall we say, is very interesting. And it's already being used in several instances in the retail market. And I think it's only going to pick up pace as we start to think about products being delivered directly to your own personal 3D printer, or whether it's around replacement parts being printed on demand so that devices, appliances, etc., can be repaired rather than just disposed of, or whether it's even for creativity and even consumption, right? There are some very cool things that you can create with 3D printers, where again, you can download the file and press print, so to speak. But also from a consumption perspective, it could be a very fancy way of delivering food. And you may think that's a bit pie in the sky, right? But already there are 3D printers that can print out restaurant quality food. Could eating in truly be the new dining out, even as uh, the pandemic subsides, right? But I think this is quite interesting from a retail perspective, because actually, what part does a retailer play if we're talking about micro manufacturing? How do all the different channels get involved? How do your stores get involved? What does fulfillment look like in terms of replenishing 3D printed stock, should we say? And that multiplies across the different pieces of your operating model, right? 
what does buying look like if we're talking about 3D printed products? You know, it begins to shift the entire operating model. So it's certainly one to watch out for and start to consider what would micro manufacturing mean for you and for your business? And an evolution of micro manufacturing is a focus on sustainability, which of course we've seen over the past few years. And you might think, actually, is sustainability in natural conflict with the Industrial Revolution? And you could argue very much so, right? There's, you know, images in your mind of the very first factories belching out great clouds of smog and smoke, right? But I think it's built into the Industrial Revolution concept right at the very base, right? We have to be sustainable in our living. It is of no one's interest to use up all of the resources and find your industrial revolution has basically driven itself to death. I hope you can understand and relate to that, right? And if you do think about those first factories belching out smoke, we have evolved those factories. We have made them more energy efficient. We have reduced emissions. There's more to do, but it is part of it. So I think as we start to think about the fourth industrial revolution, the role that sustainability plays is increasingly important. And that's going to be in many different ways. From a manufacturing perspective, we're going to be looking to minimize overproduction. That's a gross waste of materials and effort, right? So minimizing wastage during manufacture and increasing the lifespan of products as well. So less disposable and changing product design. And so it does take into consideration aspects from design for repair or design for disassembly or design for recycling, right? Sustainability will also present itself in terms of power generation and consumption. There's been big development in terms of renewable energy, of course, and maximizing the benefit of renewable energy is a huge opportunity for the retail market, given the real estate that we collectively have, right? Whether it's stores, whether it's warehouses and fulfillment centers, etc. There are huge opportunities with solar panels and with wind generation in particular. And of course, there'll be lots of implications of power generation and consumption. You know, we're seeing a lot of focus at the moment on electrical vehicles. And many different big retailers are investing heavily in their delivery fleets and making sure that there are electrical or hybrid vehicles that are going out on the roads, right? Still with our sustainability focus, we'll be thinking about materials generation and consumption as well as power. How do we recycle? How do we reuse? How do we reclaim different materials used in our products in the retail full end-to-end supply chain? And that's going to be particularly interesting as we start to think more about the circular economy and the full loop rather than just end-to-end being a A to B point. It's got to circle around, right, to be truly sustainable. And also from a materials perspective, there'll be an increased focus on reducing packaging, which of course does serve a purpose, but it does use a lot of material. And we'll continue to challenge ourselves and say, is that the best use of material? Well, how do we get more of it? How do we recycle it? How do we reuse it? How do we reclaim it, as I was saying? And finally, I think the sustainability piece will need more collaboration to really maximise the use of materials, to maximise the use of resources, to maximise the use of equipment. And that's all going to be enabled by better communication, better scheduling between different companies. Where we've got factories that are not being used for months of the year, or particular delivery vehicles, perhaps. Actually, how do we work with other industries? Maybe it's not even in retail, right? How do we work with other industries to make sure that we're truly making the best use of everything we have? 
And suddenly, once you start thinking about this, it suddenly gets really interesting around the different opportunities and how you can maximize the use of every single piece of the retail industry, right? So already we've touched on cloud computing, we've touched on mobile, AI and cognitive computing, micro manufacturing and now sustainability. And the final piece of this is the Internet of Things, IoT, which gets very interesting. The IoT is focusing in on machine to machine collaboration and communication. Ultimately, rather than humans connecting the dots, as it was in the third industrial revolution, we're talking about the machines filling in that loop, right? Displacing humans, arguably, you could say. (laughs) And when it comes to the IoT, there are infinite possibilities. As I was saying earlier on when we were talking about cloud computing, right? The art of the possible is limited by our own imagination. And that's definitely true. And IoT brings together all of these different elements that we've been discussing so far. Cloud computing, of course, is a key enabler. AI, of course, micro manufacturing, all these different elements fit together, powered by the IoT, which is really why it's such a key concept and such a key enabler for the overall goals of the fourth industrial revolution of combining digital and physical, right? And I wanted to lay out a bit of a framework to help think about IoT differently. So it's a three by two matrix that we're going to lay out here. So the IoT can either be observing or it can be acting. So that's the two. And then it can be in the physical world, in the digital world, or in the mental world. And we'll get into each of these. But we're going to step through the six parts of this three by two matrix to help understand how IoT is already coming into place and what the opportunities are going to be. And I'll stress again, this is limited by our own imagination. So you will come up with loads more examples and ideas than I have here. And I would love to hear from you. I genuinely would love to hear your thoughts, your perspectives, your opportunities, your imagination as well, right? So do reach out oliver.banks at obandco.uk or find my email on the show notes obandco.uk slash 129. So the first piece of the matrix that we're going to look at is observing the physical. And this is looking at tracking and visibility. And it includes technologies like RFID, which is picking up pace now. RFID itself isn't doing anything, but the system, the IoT, is observing it, right? It is observing a product in a particular location or identifying a particular piece of equipment at a particular point, or even it could be a person as well, right? If they were chipped up. (laughs) But it also includes technologies like vision systems, where we're using cameras and smart analytics to say what is happening in the physical world. And that could be looking at CCTV and using it to identify store analytics and hotspots and traffic movement, etc. It could be using a vision system to size up a customer for clothes fitting or work out the size of a room for a particular piece of furniture. And it could be used in a, an operational sense as well. We've certainly seen it over the past year where, you know, particularly Amazon, I've got in my mind here, who used a vision system to remotely observe a, an employee's temperature as they walked around. And if an individual had an escalated temperature, that puts them obviously at high risk from a coronavirus perspective. So there's an action there to go away and do it. But it is observing the physical world. And we'll start to see vision systems and technologies like RFID continue to evolve. And then in the physical world, the IoT can also be acting, right? So that's the observing side. 
it can also act. What does this mean? Well, basically, this is all around robotics and the advanced robotic capabilities that we're now seeing in the world. One of the most interesting things, certainly in the IoT, is around this team of robots working together, collaborating, being aware of each other and working as a workforce. This is most prevalent in the world of warehouse operations, where we're seeing the likes of Ocado or Amazon, as well as other suppliers like Geek Plus or Autostore, operating many different robots to move stock or fulfill orders. Together, the robots swarm around, a bit like a colony of ants, right? Each busily doing their own small piece of work, knowing that collectively as a whole, they are accomplishing and achieving the mission. But we're also starting to see robots come more into place in the shop floor, whether it's for availability checking or gap scanning, or doing price checks, or merchandising compliance, or even cleaning, right? There are many different instances where connected robots will be able to work together. And being the Internet of Things, what I'm encouraging you to do here is to imagine how could you connect that to other elements of our 3x2 matrix? So, so far, how could, let's say, a cleaning robot connect up to a observing vision system of the store to say what needs cleaning. This is where you can suddenly see this is limited by your own imagination, right? We're also seeing a lot of robotics in transport as well. We've seen last mile robotic solutions like Starship robots starting to become more commonplace, trundling around, delivering small robots within a relatively small radius of Perhaps a convenience store, for example. We're also seeing more parcel or order retrieval systems that are being used, particularly for click and collect, for example. And I think in this world of physical acting IoT aspects, there is a lot still to come. Really interesting, exciting stuff here. So from a warehouse automation perspective, I think we'll start to see a lot more product handling robots whether it's using suction cups or very careful grippers. And you've certainly got companies like Ocado who are investing heavily in product handling robotics. So whilst they've got their existing robots to move the stock around, actually, how do they then take that and have these robots working together to be able to pick products out, for example? We'll start to see a greater use of exoskeletons coming through, which is sort of blending digital and physical We'll see more drone management going on in warehouses to be able to fly around or drive around as well, right? And be able to do exception management, for example. And of course, the rise of micro-fulfillment centres is also very interesting. And actually, how do you shrink that down? Thinking about micro-manufacturing, it's the same thing, right? Micro-warehousing. On the shop floor, we'll start to see more robotics starting to do many, many more different aspects. And whilst it's still been relatively niche so far, for me... It feels like a matter of time until we see more and more robots on the shop floor. Now, you may say Walmart backed out of a 500 store trial, right? And you'd be right. (laughs) And that's quite a major trial to back out of. So it certainly says there's going to be a lot more work to do here. But we'll start to see more product movement and replenishment, particularly in fast moving categories like grocery, for example. But also in heavy categories, you know, if it's a technology store moving stock of televisions around, right, that robot will be able to move stock around. And ultimately, robots will be responsible for enabling faster and faster delivery times and fulfillment times as well for lots of different aspects. And of course, as you start to think more about what the role of the store is going to be, 
you have to put robots in there as well, thinking about how this is going to go, right? So again, use your imagination. And then from a fulfillment perspective, really for me, this is around thinking about the evolution of driverless vehicles for distribution or deliveries. That's both big vehicles as well as a proliferation of the smaller sort of Starship robots. So, you know, actually big driverless trucks, which are, again are in trials in various parts of the world. So this isn't that far away, right? Drone deliveries. Everyone's always excited about drone deliveries, right? They're still quite niche. And I think they will have a role to play, but in a particular niche way. Thinking about medicines, for example, I can absolutely see that happening. But are you going to get all of your Amazon Prime orders by a drone? I'm not so sure. (laughs) I hope not, because I think there'll be a lot of drones in the sky, right? And also from a fulfillment perspective, it's worth thinking about the reverse logistics as well. So actually, how are robotics and the IoT going to work with the returns loop or a repair loop and so on? So we've thought about observing and acting in the physical world. Next, we're going to think about observing and acting in the digital world. So in the digital world, we're talking about, you know, moving data or money or being able to transfer historical actions. And of course, a real close alignment with what we've already spoken about here in terms of AI, right? And cognitive computing. But very quickly, sort of from an observing perspective, here we're talking about everything from cookies, which is around tracking historical actions and aspects like Google Analytics, which again is collecting all of this digital data and creating insight from it, right? So it's observing. It is not doing anything. It is just watching. Just like in the physical world where you have RFID or vision systems, just watching, not doing anything. The same happens in the digital world. And arguably, we're far further ahead in the digital world than we are in the physical world, as weird as that sounds, right? But that's where we are. That's how it has evolved. So staying in the digital world, we're talking about acting as well and how the IoT will connect all of these dots together. So we're talking here about system integration, creating single views of the customer, So it is actually moving the data from A to B to create this single view. But it's not just a single view of the customer. It could be a single view of products or of inventory or of orders or of transactions. And actually, I did a great webinar recently with the team at Dell, Boomi and Aspire Systems where we explored this. And I'll put a link in to catch up on demand that webinar. That link will be over at the show notes, obandco.uk slash 129. And I think the future of the digital world is going to be very exciting. But for me, it's about feeding all of these different pieces of data back in to optimize different ways of doing things, right? Very closely linked to what we're talking about in AI and cognitive computing, yeah? All of these things are fitting together. The final two pieces are around the mental world. What do I mean here? I mean, this is around looking in our own heads as consumers, right? looking at the logical considerations and the emotional considerations. Also consider that the mental world is not just for customers, but it's for colleagues as well, right? What are your colleagues thinking? What are your colleagues feeling? So we'll start once again with observing. So what is this looking like? Well, at the moment, we see this mental world represent itself really quite basically, I would say. An example would be around recommended products, right? You've looked at this, so therefore you might also like this because I have observed other customers and that's what they thought. And really, this is an extension of the digital world, I'm sure you can appreciate. 
But I'd like to move into acting because I think this is where some of the more interesting opportunities lie as we start to really understand the psychology of shopping. Maybe if you've watched me giving a, a keynote speech or doing a strategy workshop, you may have heard me talking about the trend of caring more. And part of this is a recognition on mental health and on empathy and psychology. And it's really interesting. And I think this is going to be driving the mental world of the Internet of Things a lot going forward. And it's really fascinating, by the way. I think one of the, the, the best bits of the pandemic has been an increase in empathy across the whole world, frankly. And I hope that's one of the things that we can continue to harness, continue to develop. Of course, there's more needed. But there is greater empathy between individuals, between groups, between companies, ultimately between people, right? But this mental world is very factual at present. You know, as I said, a recommendation engine. But the Internet of Things will evolve to take this much further. So it's going to turn, rather than just pure recommendation engines, it's going to go into becoming a digital personal shopper much more. So actually, how is the Internet of Things going to understand what you are thinking and what you are feeling, just as a real-life human personal shopper would be, how can that represent itself? Or maybe it's not a personal shopper, it's a personal assistant, right? How is it going to be detecting your tone of voice, or maybe even your vital signs, right? To say, this is what you're thinking about, this is how you're feeling at the moment, here is perhaps the next best action, right? And it's going to be connecting all of these different pieces that we've been talking about together and connecting still the physical and the digital world. So this is where it gets so exciting, right? And I know I keep going back to that word imagination, but just imagine what the art of the possible is. You know, we touched on the metaverse earlier. I think this is going to be increasingly focused on emotional journeys, right? As we increasingly start to live in a digital world, and I don't mean a digitally enabled world, I mean a digital world. Go and listen to episode 128 if you're not sure what I'm talking about. But the future here is so exciting as we start to think about how the Internet of Things, the IoT, will become more intelligent, recognising our preferences, our behaviours, aspects like our tone of voice, like I was saying, and then also noticing the exceptions. When are we not feeling or thinking like ourselves and therefore what should happen? And ultimately, this mental world, as we're talking about the acting piece, is going to be thinking about creating personalised experiences for our own individual state of mind in the moment, which sounds crazy. But how does that then represent itself is actually if you are visiting a store, whether it's physical or digital, are you wanting a quick purchase? Get in, get out. Are you wanting to browse? Are you wanting to do this? Are you wanting to do that? Because each of those is a different experience. It's a different customer journey. And don't just think about customers as well. Take that into the world of work. Think actually about your teams, whatever role they're doing in the company. How are they feeling in the moment? What is their state of mind? What is it they are thinking about or feeling about? And actually, how does it connect all of these pieces together? And so I guess as we begin to bring this all together, let's rewind to what the fourth industrial revolution is all about or Industry 4.0. It's about integrating the physical and the digital aspects of industry. It's around optimizing the experience for whatever that experience is, right? For customers in retail, this is looking at tailored shopping experiences. You know, what's most important for you, whether it's quality or sustainability or whether you are looking for vegan products or whether you are price conscious and tailoring that experience for what you are looking for and ultimately creating that 
proverbial seamless experience between channels as we start to think about the mobile life as well. I also think the fourth industrial revolution could flip it around and actually say, from a consumer perspective, what do bots look like in retail? You know, in the film iRobot with Will Smith, you had robots going to the supermarket, right? Or the grocery store. And it seems a bit weird, right? But look at what's happened with the latest console releases. I'm thinking of the PlayStation 5, where you've got these shopping bots that are going out across many, many different websites and sources and buying up all the stock before a human can go shopping for it. Is this what the fourth industrial revolution will drive for consumers? Maybe. But for colleagues as well, think about simplification, thinking about enjoyment, how you can make the world of work an enjoyable place and the entire employee experience. And actually, how does it evolve that from all of these different aspects we've been considering? Yeah. Cloud computing, mobile, etc., etc., And then helping to identify and manage the exceptions and opportunities for personal improvement as well, right? Not just talking about a fancy way of saying feedback, but actually, how do you personally improve someone's job so they get more individual enjoyment from that job? And then from a business perspective, of course, it's going to be focusing here on maximizing productivity and margins and minimizing waste and the, the sustainability impact that a company is having. But ultimately, all about highlighting challenges, inconsistencies and opportunities and blending what we as humans do best with what systems and technology can also do best as well. And for me, that's when the fourth industrial revolution gets really interesting because you're starting to think about how do we people work with technology in the best possible way? And what does that open up? I know we've covered a ton of ground, but I would love to hear your feedback on this particular episode. We've talked about loads of different aspects, loads of different elements of the fourth industrial revolution in a bit of a whistle-stop tour format, I appreciate. But I do hope during the course of this episode, you have reconsidered how the different technologies and aspects of the fourth industrial revolution fit together and what the possibilities are. You know, and I appreciate There's continual evolution. There are always things going on in the world of retail and in the world of retail transformation as well. And it can be hard to keep up, which is why I would strongly encourage you to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, which is a free email that hits your box every single week, which is highlighting the key headlines from the world of retail transformation, along with insight, interesting conversations going on, and overall driving you to understand the key trends as they happen rather than waiting for a trends report in a couple of years' time to say, oh, oh yeah, (laughs) and you're too late, you've missed the bus. So do sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing absolutely free. Find it on the show notes obandco.uk slash 129. And also, if you have enjoyed this episode, there are a few extra episodes or a lot of extra episodes to listen to. But in particular, I'll point you towards episode 126, which is about the complexity of omnichannel retail. I'll point you to episode 64, which is looking at how the IoT will change retail. A great episode that with Joe Jensen of Intel. In episode 128, we looked at VR and AR and the metaverse. And that was with Kathy Hackle. And then in episode 120, we looked at understanding data and data science with Ian Shepard. I mean, there are loads of loads of different episodes, certainly recently, which have been talking about checkout free stores, 
or data or technology and of course transformation throughout. So if you are new to the Retail Transformation Show podcast, I do heartily encourage you to have a scroll back through the archives, find some great episodes, and I will make sure to put all of the links of those episodes I've just highlighted there as good next listen to's on the show notes page. So once again, obandco.uk slash 129. And if you are also new to the show, then do hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and catch new episodes which come out every single week. Thank you for tuning in. I really look forward to hearing your thoughts and your key takeaways on this particular episode. And I'll look forward to joining you in another episode of the Retail Transformation Show coming at you very soon. Bye for now.